Let's go to Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Do not judge so that you will not be judged. How about that? For in the way you judge, you will be judged, and by your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Case in point, none of us have the skill to know people's motives. Nobody, only God. Man looks at the outward appearance, God looks at the heart. We tend to judge each other by their actions and ourselves by our intentions, but we, in fact, shouldn't judge anybody. The Bible says, judge not. Everybody say, judge not. For in the way you judge, you'll be judged. Boy, what an incentive right there. Uh, By your standard of measure, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log that's in your own eye? And the reason you don't see the log is you're so focused on that little speck that you don't see uh, the big picture. Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, and behold, the log is in your own eye. You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I wish cancel culture would understand this. I wish the spirit of the age would get mule kicked with this verse, but it won't because the world is the world. This is a message, but Jesus is speaking to motivate us as believers. Do not give what is holy to dogs and do not throw your pearls before swine or they will trample them under your feet, their feet and turn and tear you to pieces. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be open to you. Everybody say, ask, seek, and knock. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds, and to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you, here comes the Father's Day message, who, when his son asks for a loaf, will give him a stone? It asks the question. If a son asks a dad for a loaf of bread, and he comes out and it's wrapped, you know, in a, in a towel, and he acts like it's from the oven, and he hands it to him, and he says, go take a bite out of it, and it's a big stone. He takes a bite out of it and breaks his teeth. What kind of man, what man is there among you that would do that? That's called a child abuser. And he makes this point that he's appealing to these fathers that, that are here listening to him. Who among you, if, if your son asked you for a loaf of bread, you'd give him a stone? Or if he asked for a fish, would you give him a snake? And uh, again, that, that's, that's improper. And then he says in verse 11, something so striking. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father, who is in heaven, give what is good to those who ask him? Everybody say, how much more? Now, he's saying to these unregenerate, at that point, they're people, Jewish people who understand the, the, the honor your mother and father and also train up a child in the way you should go and fathers, you know, the admonition of fathers to train them up and teach them and the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And he's saying, you're evil, earthly, sinful, fallen people, and yet you know not to give a stone instead of bread, not to give a snake instead of a fish. And uh, he says, how much more? Everybody say, how much more? This is important that we understand theologically the how much more of God, how he is so prone toward taking care of us, providing for us, nurturing us, disciplining us, protecting us, and guiding us. And I'm going to break that down just for a few minutes. But he says, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father who's in heaven give what is good to those who ask him? You know, it says in James, you have not because you ask not. And this magnificent, I love it that it's Matthew 7, 7. Everybody say Matthew 7, 7. 
Let that get in your memory, Matthew 7, 7, so you could go to it, ask, seek, knock. Now let's go over and look at Luke chapter 13, because this echoes this, but says something a little bit different. The thought is there, but it's a different, a uh, little bit of a different spin on the end. And I'll read it to you in the New Living Translation of verse 11, starting with verse 11, chapter 11, verse 11. So say Matthew 7, 7. Say Luke 11, 11. Okay, you with me on that? That'll help you with your memory. Now suppose it says in verse 11, uh, one of you fathers is asked by his son for a fish. He will not give him a snake instead of a fish, will he? Everybody say no. Or if he asks for an egg, he will not give him a scorpion, will he? No, he wouldn't. If then, you being evil, here's what it says in the New Living Translations, you earthly fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? So he says, give what is good to those who ask him and give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him. God is a giver, and God is a good God, and he's our provider. He's our supply. And I want to read two verses to you. Uh, one is in Galatians chapter 4, verse 6, and it says, Because you are sons, God sent the Spirit of his, of his Son into our hearts, the Spirit who calls out, Abba, Father. Everybody say, Abba, Father. Abba, Father is a term of endearment in the Middle East. And in fact, I was on a tour with my wife uh, just uh, before the pandemic closed up everything. We were right there. We could feel the door shut right as we left. We had the privilege of being there, and we were at a monument to uh, Australians who had taken care of the Jews during a conflict, and they built a statue uh, in honor of them. But next to this area where our tour was, there at the distance... Uh, there was a playground, and in the playground, there were moms and dads with their, their children, and they were playing on the jungle gym in the playground, very much like that over there. And you could hear, Abba, Abba. And, uh, and I was with the, the leader of the group, and she said, you hear that? They're saying Abba. And Abba is my very own father. It's a term of, that implies connection. It's a relational. It's very, very, it's not formal. It's relational. And... It says here in Romans chapter 8, verse 15 through 17, For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear again, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons, by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Everybody say, Abba, Father. Now, I'm in my life of Christianity, I can't call God daddy or dad. Some people do. I just, and if, you, if you're comfortable with that, you could do it, because that's, in effect, what's being said here. Uh, I just, for whatever reason, get a little formal and call him Father and, and you know, Lord and things like that. But, um, but just the idea of relationship with God. You know, right here last week, I met a couple that are around my age, and they've grown up in a sort of a formal liturgical environment, and yet, that by their own statement, didn't really know the Lord until recently. They ran into somebody like you who clarified this new birth and has the spirit of adoption. And, uh, you know, that uh, moment that they received Jesus and said, our lives are totally changed. They said it right here. They said, our lives are totally changed. And they were like children of God. They were, though my age, 
they had a youthful exuberance and, a, and, and that they were, according to Ephesians, accepted in the beloved. How many of you appreciate the fact that we have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ? It's a spirit of adoption, and you've heard my story. I was uh, uh, conceived uh, by another father, and then he told my mother to get an abortion. She tried twice. The third attempt, she got ready to do it, and the, the something, I don't know how, but she got a scripture uh, behold, I set before you life and death, the blessing and the curse. Choose life so that you and your descendants may live. She followed that scripture. She said no. She refused it. They, they broke up. And then uh, at the babysitter, this uh, uh, another guy who had come through a marriage and divorce uh, had a daughter there. And then they met. he met me. They, he married my mother. And then in, when I was 13, he adopted me. And so I have the spirit of adoption of... Um, being accepted by somebody that uh, chose to, you know. There was a rejection, and then there was acceptance. And so the spirit of adoption, is, if you understand it right, is the how much more of those verses in Matthew and, and, and in Luke. How much more? And I, I'm unashamed and unapologetic that I don't uh, constantly, chronically emphasize sin at our church because Jesus, who knew no sin, was made to be sin on our behalf that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm going to teach on the doctrine of sin and righteousness. And in fact, we do really need to underscore how scary sin is and the devastation of it. We're not, we're not going to hide it or gloss over it, but the blood of Jesus did atone for it and has covered us. And in fact, biblically, we're admonished not to be filled with the sin consciousness and actually to have righteousness consciousness where we're accepted in the beloved and we've been made new creations. That's what I think I felt from that couple. We are so free. This is a new beginning, days of new beginnings. And so today we have a hallowed moment where we acknowledge God as our father and we are his children. Now I'm going to read something to you because bad dads get a lot of press these days. It's difficult for many people to view God as a father. Martin Luther, the, the pioneer of Lutheranism, he said his dad was, his German dad was so harsh, he had a hard time comprehending how good the father was. In our society of fractured families, far too many grow up with weekend-only fathers or no fathers at all. Since even the best earthly fathers have moments when they get impatient or preoccupied, the idea of God as father takes a good bit of imagination for many, and even uh, more faith. So it helps to remember that God is actually our perfect father, a father unaffected by human frailties. He is 100% in love with you and motivated by his glory and, and for our good 100% of the time. He has your best interests at heart. Do you believe it? As the one who gave the world a 30-year show and tell, remember, Jesus is the exact representation of his nature. He said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Again, and judge the Bible in the light of redemption, in the light of Jesus Christ, because he, in fact, went about doing good and healing all who are oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And so he is the radiance of his glory and the exact representation of his nature. In fact, in, in Isaiah, he was prophesied as the eternal father. Last week, I tried to touch on the mystery of the Trinity. And Jesus is among many titles in his messianic role. He's eternal father. So there, there are, there's an interchange, but then a distinction. There's unity, and then there's a distinction. So isn't that amazing? And uh, he actually 
keeps up with and it gives attention to the tiniest details and the most minute issues of our lives. Take, for example, Matthew 10, 29 uh, through 31, where the very hairs on our heads are numbered. Now, that seems to be of no consequence, really. So he, if he bothers to know and, and reveals how deep he is in knowing the number of hairs on our head, don't you think he, ha- he knows the plans he has for us? Young people, don't you think he knows that 2021 would have this kind of set of turbulence and kind of harshness, and yet you would be poised and prepared and trained and skillful and ready for this hour? Or you're going into a retirement phase in this season, and yet it's really refirement. You just have more things to do, just in a different format. He invites us to conversation with him. He wants to have fellowship with us. He wants us to, to meet with him in the cool of the day, as Adam and Eve did. And he's always eager, always about, always concerned with all of our needs, both the mundane and the extremely significant. Unlike finite and flawed earthly fathers, our Heavenly Father is never too busy, never stressed out, never self-absorbed, and uh, get away, kids, you bother me. That's, he's not W.C. Fields. And like the best and wisest dads, he disciplines us. That is, he corrects us, not so much punishment, but, but he corrects us. Let's go to uh, Hebrews, just for a moment, chapter 12, and let's look at something Uh, so great that affirms our citizenship or our role as children of God. Look at this. It says here that in verse 5, it says, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor faint when you are reproved by him. For those whom the Lord loves, he disciplines, and he scourges every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you endure. God deals with you as with sons, For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? The Bible says we're to discipline them while there's hope. And if you are without discipline, of which all have become partakers, then you are illegitimate children and not sons. So part of a marking of our sonship, or daughtership, I should say as well, would include correction. Aren't you glad for God's whom he loves, he corrects? Who in here has ever had the jerk slacked out of you, or the slack jerked out of you? So, uh, furthermore, look, it says, verse 9, we had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the father of spirits and live? Now, yesterday we had a tree fall in our driveway and our kids were out and they couldn't get up the driveway. It was a pretty good sized tree. Fortunately, uh, my dad disciplined me with power tools growing up. That didn't sound right, did it? It sounded very violent. <laughs> he trained me. That's because we immediately think of punishment or something, you know, like it, it did hurt. It hurt. I had blisters to prove it. But I, he gave me skills with that discipline. Whom the Lord loves, he disciplines. Another word for synonymous with discipline is preparation. We're in a disciplined moment right now. The Lord's preparing us. We're disciplined. We're, if the building sh- uh, power is out, we'll just come outside. We'll tolerate a little bit of humidity, and you guys all brought your sunglasses and, or you're squinting, and you're all good. He has a plan, and he trains us for our good. How many of you have been through a thing or two in life? Even Job, at the end of chapter 42, when he prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes twofold. So God, he disciplines us in, for endurance so we can be ready 
for all the seasons and all the phases of our lives. And hey, Father's Day 2021, St. Louis Family Church, we're coming into a new dimension. God has brought a mid-course correction. He's filtered, he's sifted, he's purified, he's refined. He's really brought definition as to who the players are. And he's coming forth in a new dimension of his presence and his power. Can I hear an amen? So then it says uh, in verse, uh, let's see, where was I, 12? Oh, I just my page flipped. Therefore, it says, all discipline for the moment, oh, here, verse 10, for they disciplined us for a short time as it seemed best to them, but he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. All discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful, but sorrowful. Yet to those who have been trained by it afterwards, it yields something called the peaceful fruit of righteousness. I appreciate this honest verse. All discipline at the moment doesn't seem joyous. It seems sorrowful. People that train to run races, people that discipline themselves, you know, with uh, getting up early and going to the gym and that kind of thing, it, 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 doesn't, it doesn't feel good all the time and pushing past previous limits. And yet when you get through that, Afterwards, it yields a peaceful fruit of righteousness. Afterwards, you have perseverance. You have a skill set where you're able to do things you couldn't have done before. Therefore, strengthen the hands that are weak and the knees that are feeble. Make straight paths for your feet so that the limb which is lame may not be put out of joint, but rather be healed. So God creates direct benefit through this indirect thing called discipline. And a massive and amazing things take place as we yield to and comply with that over the course of a lifetime. Also, and my wife encouraged me on this yesterday when we were talking and praying about this, God the Father is our protector. He's very protective. He wants to shield us from the storm and protect us from evil and keep us safe from harm. He has angels encamped around us. He is tender as well. You know, as much as he is my disciplinarian, when I go to him, I find him as his motive is love because, in fact, God is love. We can count on him to make our hard situations much, much better. He's strong, and he can run to, we can run to him and hide in his arms whenever we need to, confident that everything is going to be all right. Mostly, our Heavenly Father wants to have an intimate relationship with all of his children. He wants us to know and trust his heart. He wants us to know and trust his ways. Teach us your ways, Lord. Help us to become better acquainted with your behavior, your personality profile, so we know the way you really are. And again, if you've seen Jesus, you've seen the Father. He wants to celebrate the joys of life with us, and he wants to hold us while we're grieving. So if you grew up with a father who was consistently there for you, let that earthly dad point you to the father who is beyond good. And if you grew up with a, without a good father, let that experience drive you to God, our Abba Father, who alone perfectly meets our deepest needs, desires, and our hearts will be filled. Number one, the miracles of God's provision. If you're a note taker, say this with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. Look over there. There's a green pasture right over there. Turn around and look at it. Green pasture. Illustrated sermon. 
Quiet waters. Look over there, right around the corner. There's water. There's a waterfall, and if that's not enough, there's two waterfalls on this property. I have always aspired on the inreach side of our church. We have an outreach and an inreach responsibility, but that it be a Psalm 23 environment. He makes you lie down in green pastures. He takes stressful people and helps us to relax a little bit and trust. Just talked to a dad whose son is in his second stint of rehab, and I'm standing with him for that son to get it this time around and that he'll get a breakthrough. Amen? I've been with people who lost loved ones recently, and, you know, you're going to have a good cry, but our Heavenly Father is not the one that took them because he needed a golf partner in heaven. I'm so sick and tired of hearing stuff that makes me sick and tired. Sure, Job said the Lord gives and the Lord takes away, but really the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. All of Job's conclusions, in fact, were not good theology. A lot of Job's conclusions were before Christ and before a lot of understanding came of the covenant-keeping God. So we pray God helps us. If we have any father baggage that we lay it aside and we embrace how good God is and how loving he is as our father. And Philippians 4.19 is pretty emphatic. And my God shall supply all of your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Yesterday while I was preparing on a bench out in my driveway, I had removed that tree and Steve came to help me get the remaining branches out. And I just looked at where God made a way where there was no way. And last night, you know, there were branches everywhere. We had to clear it out. And that's just what we do. But we learned that from our Heavenly Father to, to provide and, and to meet needs and, and to step up. Also, he cares for us. He's a nurturing God. He's a nurturing God. I've been in cultures where you watch and you see fathers exhibiting as much nurture as a mother. Different, but that's, that, that parental love just happens to be from a father. The mother love, I mean, we have a little granddaughter that she's so loving and so sweet. She smiles all the time, and she lets us all hold, hold her, and she looks at us, and she's thoughtful. But, man, when mom comes in the room or when dad comes in the room, uh, she lunges for them. Because there's that deep nurturing thing that happens between mom and dad and, and a child. And uh, our father wants us to run into his arms, his everlasting arms. Don't you appreciate the concept of everlasting arms? His arm is not too short that it cannot save in the time of need. Casting all your cares, all your worries, all your concerns once and for all upon him because he cares for you affectionately, cares about you watchfully. Can I hear an Amen. Number three, uh, he makes those observable adjustments through our lives. Whom the Lord loves, he chastens, and we don't despise the discipline of the Lord. It is a good thing when God stays on us, jerks the slack out of us, gives us... How many of you are always up for a mid-course correction? Let me see your hands. Uh, the Bible says you're stupid if you hate reproof. And I've, I've pastored so many people that I wouldn't even bother to give them any kind of insights because I knew it would just, it would, they'd just blow it off. Better not to even tell them. Just let them go and learn the hard way. Uh, there many, I have many things to tell you. You can't bear them now. It's, it's, it's a sad reality. But when somebody's teachable, uh, open rebuke is better than secret love. And thank God, faithful are the wounds of a friend. And he calls us friends if we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not burdensome. Who in here is glad? that God cares about us. I saw Jack Nicholas Jr. or the second. He wrote a book about fatherhood and he talked about Jack Nicholas, the famous golf champion. 
And he said, my dad would have been a more epic legend of golf if he had just given himself more over to golf. But through the early beginnings of his career and his family, he realized for him, he wanted family to be first and for them not to be neglected. And so the son comes up after all these years later, and Jack Nicholas, of course, is a legend, but it's amazing that the son realized my dad sacrificed and paid attention to us kids. And uh, he said, and then Jack Nicholas said, well, you know, when I was a young dad, I wanted, when my kids got older, for us to be friends, to have a friendship. You don't get to be friends when you're a young parent. It's not a friendship. It's, it's discipline. But later on, you hope that it'll, it'll, it'll uh, emerge into something uh, very grand. And, and, and I'm grateful that my wife had that relationship with her father and mother and and I had that relationship with my dad. So uh, it's possible to have that intimacy and that amazing connection that comes from uh, years of developing a walk with the Lord. And this couple that I met over here that were the product of running into somebody like you, and the lights went on in their later years of life, and they're like children in the faith. They're so joyous. And it wasn't like a bunch of superficiality either. It was so deep that I stood there and it reminded me of how good it can get when somebody's born again. And then also, lastly, I want to just conclude with he gives us supernatural direction. My dad always gave me healthy advice and um, not unsolicited usually. It was always something that prompted by my request. He never pushed himself on me. It was amazing that way. But yet, when I asked, he would give uh, some very, very stellar uh, suggestions and uh, uh, I'm better off for it. But how much more the Heavenly Father? Two scriptures, Hebrews 13, 5, he says, he'll never leave us nor forsake us. And Matthew 28, 20, he says, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And including the decrepit, weird last days. He'll, He'll be with us through the decrepit, weird last days. When people are, demons are manifesting as extraterrestrials, and people are saying, oh, uh, they're, they're, oh, I'm going to question all my faith now. And all they are are just principalities. It's amazing. I, I don't want to get too controversial, but in the end times, there are going to be a lot of crazy things going on. But one thing that will be abidingly clear, that our Heavenly Father is going to take really good care of us. Let's all stand up on our feet, casting all our cares upon Him because He cares for us. Everybody say, Happy Father's Day, Father. Hallelujah. Let's put our hands on our hearts and let's pray before we go. Father, I thank you that in this moment we can cry out to you and affirm your goodness toward us. Father, I ask that you will move and penetrate hearts and minds today. And if there's anybody watching online that isn't a Christian, that they'll surrender their lives to Jesus like that couple I met right here just the other day. And Lord, I pray there would be a new birth and a new beginning and seasons of refreshing from the presence of the Lord. Say this with me. And my God shall supply all of my needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Amen.